Um, you know, I have more today than I'm going to be able to get through in, in the last couple of hours. really been praying for kind of a focus, a thread to follow this this through on. Um, I'm going to look at a Colbert video, Stephen Colbert. Um, more specifically, he was the commencement speaker at Northwestern last year um, in 2011. So some of y'all may have seen this. It's made the rounds on YouTube, of course. And we're going to look at uh, uh, about four minutes of... Um, of his address, and that's where the title of the class comes from. Um, you will serve what you love, which he uses, uh, which he says in his address, which I think is just profoundly descriptive and correct. Um, uh, not, you know, well, anyway, we'll get there. Um, so that's what the title of the class is, and then we'll see from there where we're going to go. I've got lots of things bouncing around, so pray the Lord is a part of this, and we'll see where it where it turns out. So let's pray, Father, for. Uh, for this day, we give you thanks um, and ask, as ever, Lord, that um, that you would speak, that this would be um, your class, um, that as Mark Genelette prayed a couple of weeks ago, that you would be with the teacher and you would speak through him um, uh, and allow your word and your work to be done in your way and not lack for anything. In Jesus' name, amen. I did say that I was in Mark's class, the dean's class, a few weeks ago, and he prayed that as the teacher for himself, and of course, as a teacher, I immediately resonated with that, um, to speak of himself in third person, which is properly what I hope this is, that it's not me, that it's the Lord, so, um, so that's where that comes from. We're going to jump in first, I think, to the video and get get here very um, closely. You will serve what you love. When I, when I heard this, of course, um, there's different ways of hearing that. You can look at the emphasis on the the, uh, the, the the, the words, you will serve what you love. You will serve what you love. You will serve what, you know, you can play all that out. It makes me think of Yoda. Um, for those of us who grew up in the early 80s, particularly if you were boys, um, and you saw The Empire Strikes Back with your dad, like I hope um, some of y'all did, like I did. You remember they're in the, uh, I had, of course, no idea I was going to go here, but they're in the Dagobah system. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, little Luke, no, not little Luke, because it came out later. Luke says, Yoda, I want to do this now. I won't be afraid. And Yoda looks at him. He's like, you will be. You will be. And it's that sort of description that I think is, is the most um, appropriate way to hear that you will serve what you love. There's a, there's a word of bondage in that, and there's a word of freedom. And that's the edge that I hope to sort of follow with this. You will serve what you love. Um, where is that binding? Where is that a word of bondage? Well, it really puts a great emphasis emphasis on what you love. Um, uh, I mean, what do you love? Um, if you love the Lord, well, you're in great shape. Of course, if you love um, yourself, well, there's your there's your service point. If you love your children, which is great, um, but it can be certainly a misplaced love, um, that's where your service and you're in bondage. To your children. Um, lots of articles going around right now about uh, the sort of new generation of helicopter kids with helicopter parents moving off to college right now and, and the way all that's playing out and, and, and people not... Um, anyway, you will serve what you love. It is a descriptive statement of, uh, of our human nature and Colbert plays that out a little bit. Um, I don't think I need to set up anything uh, before the... looking at my notes before, uh, before his talk. We'll just kind of process it and debrief it. Um, so, good, didn't time out. Um, I'll turn the lights off and we'll go from here. You have been told to follow your dreams. Oh, thanks. But 
What if it's a stupid dream? It's a great thought. For instance, Stephen Colbert of 25 years ago lived at 2015 North Ridge with two men and three women in what I now know was a brothel. <laughs> he, he dreamed of living alone, well, alone with his beard, in a large, barren loft apartment, lots of blonde wood, wearing a kimono, with a futon on the floor and a samovar of tea constantly bubbling in the background, doing Shakespeare in the street for homeless people. Today, I am a beardless suburban dad who lives in a house, wears no iron khakis, and makes Anthony Weiner jokes for a living. <laughs> and I love it, because thankfully dreams can change. If we'd all stuck with our first dream, the world would be overrun with cowboys and princesses. So whatever your dream is right now, if you don't achieve it, you haven't failed, and you're not some loser. But just as importantly, and this is the part I may not get right and you may not listen to, if you do get your dream, you are not a winner. After I graduated from here, I moved down to Chicago to do improvisation. Now, there are very few rules to improv, but one of the things I was taught early on is that you are not the most important person in the scene. Everybody else is. And if everybody else is more important than you are, you will naturally pay attention to them and serve them. But the good news is, you're in the scene too. So hopefully to them, you're the most important person and they will serve you. No one is leading. You're all following the follower, serving the servant. You cannot win improv. And life is an improvisation. You have no idea what's gonna happen next and you are mostly just yanking ideas out of your ass as you go along. <laughs> and like improv, you cannot win your life, even when it might look like you are winning. For instance, I have my own show, which I love doing, full of very talented people who are eager and ready to serve me, and that is great. But at its best, I am serving them just as hard. And together we serve a common idea, in this case the character Stephen Colbert, who it's clear isn't interested in serving anyone. Hmm. And a sure sign that things are going well is that no one can remember whose ideas was whose, or who should get credit for what jokes, though naturally I get credit for them all. But if we should serve others, and together serve com some common goal or idea, for any one of you, what is that idea? And who are those people? In my experience, you will truly serve only what you love. Because service is love made visible. If you love friends, you will serve your friends. If you love community, you will serve your community. If you love money, you will serve your money. And if you love only yourself, you will serve only yourself, and you will have only yourself. So no winning. Instead, try to love others and serve others, and hopefully find those who will love and serve you in return. And in closing, I'd like to apologize for being predictable. 
Apparently, the New York Times has analyzed the hundreds of commencement speeches given so far in 2011 and found that the words love and service were two of the most used words. I can only hope that because of my speech today, the word brothel comes in a close third. <laughs> Thank you for the honor of addressing you, and congratulations to the class of 2011. Um, so before I offer a, a critique, um, I mean, this just stands a shoulder above most of the, of the, of the, the material that you hear at, at commencement speeches. I mean, I thought it was really, really good. And the first part of it's really funny. I mean, that's, that's the meat. And he even says right before that, as I'm about to move to the serious part. So, um, get, get ready. Uh, it's worth looking at. It's funny. Um, but he has that appropriate, uh, and poignant part there, um, most of the thing I wouldn't have any exception with in any way, shape, or form. You will serve what you love. Um, great question to to 22-year-olds. Um, what if your dream is stupid? <laughs> I mean, that's one that we should all hear because we hear this stuff, you know, follow your heart, follow your dreams. And I'm say this in a little bit. I mean, the, the Bible is very clear. When we think cardiologically, when we think about the heart, um, it's it's not good. It's it's not it's not a positive. It's not a positive examination. Um, the heart is deceitful above all things, the prophet Jeremiah says. Um, so when we think cardiologically, when we think about the heart, that, that's not good news. Um, and so what if your dream is stupid? What if the things which proceed from your heart are deceitful and poisonous and malicious and tainted and self-serving and, and absolutely... Um, A dead end. Um, what if your dream is stupid? It's a good question. Um, and then he moves it on. Uh, the other parts, um, uh, great points. Um, if you happen to, 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 to fail, you're not a loser. But more important than that, if you happen to get your dream, you're not a winner. I'm not going to stay a lot of time with there, but, but some good stuff. I mean, some things to really kind of think about and unpack and dig. The only part, here's the critique, because I think this, this description, which I believe is an absolute truth, you will serve what you love, um, uh, you know, something I chase a lot in, 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 in what I teach, uh, this idea of the two words, the, law, the word of the law and the word of the gospel, often contained in the same sentence. Um, it's at once a word of law, and it's at once a word of gospel. And, and Colbert, I understand, is a, is a, is a, is a faithful, um, devout Roman Catholic um, with a lively, active, busy faith. And so he, he may know all this, and this is maybe where he comes. But he almost swallows at the end, almost like an apology. So I just hope you'll try to serve others. And in closing, I'm apo I apologize for being so predictable. And he goes off and has the, the funny crack, which is, which is hilarious because he says brothel like two or three other times in his talk. That's why it was really funny. Um, but he kind of just swallows, I hope you'll try. And so it's just this appeal to try, try, try harder, do better, make more. Um, uh, don't just think about yourselves, think about other people. And I think that that's not quite enough. And here's why I think it's not quite enough. Um, so before I go on and describe some of that, any comments on, on that, on what I just said or about Colbert or um, just the intro? What was his quote? He said, uh, service is love made. Love made visible. That's right. Service is love made visible. 
which I think, I'm not sure this is, is from the prophet Cahil Gibran. Not a Christian, but sort of a, uh, often used, and he's got some things that are not, not Christian, but, but he's, um, I guess he's just a Buddhist, kind of karma, what comes around, goes around. Here's some common wisdom for common man. Um, but it's not an anti-Christian statement. Service is love made visible. Um, you know, stop there. Well, here's where I come in. And Jesus is right with this. Um, you will serve what you love. When in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, where your treasure is, there shall your heart be also. I think it's saying the same sort of a, of description. Um, how you read the Sermon on the Mount then becomes very important. So if, if, uh, if where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He's speaking cardiologically. He's, he's trying to bring out the heart and ask, well, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the word here? Um, uh, towards whatever... Amount Colbert is encouraging us to to choose what to serve and by extension to choose what we don't serve. That seems to be the rub to me. Now we're in old familiar territory, I know, um, but but it's the one thing that it seems like I cannot do, and the people that I have the privilege of being with um, can't seem to do is to get past those certain things that just keep recycling. It's as if it's always in the dryer and the dryer never stops. Um, to turn the switch. And get busy just choosing the right thing to serve. I hope you'll choose to serve other people more than you serve yourself. Um, One way I see this played out, and I think this is an awful burden that we as a church, we as Christians, place upon other Christians, is this idea that that our service, that what we what we serve as proof of what we love, is therefore an evidence of of the faith that is within us. Um, This service is then sort of twisted by a half degree to a, a word of improvement. Do better. Be more. Read your Bible more. Yell at your kids less. Drive better. You know, don't drink, don't smoke, etc. and so forth. And that's in reinforcing completely the wrong sort of causality. If you love Jesus, you'll drink less. Let's just pick on alcohol because it's an easy thing to, to pick on. Um, the way this comes out, I once was impatient. I once was angry. I once... Um, did X, Y, and Z, but then Jesus came into my life, and now I'm not impatient anymore, and I don't drink, and I don't smoke, and I'm I'm much improved. So I hope you'll come back and uh, and, and and be like me. Where that runs into a real wall is when um, that person stands in front of somebody else, like Cahil Gibran, or um, or somebody who uh, I don't know. Um, uh, is in AA or is in uh, uh, who wants to say that my life changed because my portfolio dropped or my life changed because of the laughter of my child or my life changed because I had this profound experience while I was fishing or my life changed because of X, Y, or Z. And the Christian then has no sort of response because then it's just sort of dueling banjos. It's just sort of two people standing next to each other saying, this is the mechanism of how my life changed and this is the mechanism of how my life changed. And it's just two subjective words trying to collide with each other. And the Christian seems to have no response to this. It's sort of the unassailable um, shibboleth. I can't go there. I can't I can't argue with what worked for you. I can only say what worked for me. And it seems like in, in sort of, modern, I'm way off now, um, that's not true. Um, that's not the way, that's not where it stops. And if the gospel frees us from anything, and we can find it in this word, you will serve what you love, it frees us from this this burden, this stifling burden that I need to 
show my improvement to other people. Look, I'm better now. Um, empirically, I'm better now. I'm visibly better in whatever, what it, whatever it is that I need to get better at. Um, less depressed, less anxious, more loving, more giving, more patient, more gentle, more whatever um, than you. So, aren't you happy for me? And, and you just kind of put that smile on. Um, so that's the end of part one for me. You will serve what you love. Um, approaching it first as a word of bondage. That this is um, this can be a real binding word. It's a word that can really weigh us down and break us in the same way that I think Jesus intended it to be when he said, you will, um, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Um, he did it the other way. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's the examination of our, of our treasures. And it's like, well, I'd like to think that my treasure is, um, is, uh, is you, Lord, but you know, that's, that's, not, that's not what I see when I examine my day-to-day life. It's at first a word of, um, of conviction. Any comments on that? Any thoughts? Then, shifting, because Colbert was there when he said, what if your dream is stupid? And he moved it around and he says, thankfully, dreams can change. That's his key there. I want to put the word transformation on it. There is, there is change. I want to be really clear and loud on this, that, that, that we become different. Um, and as David Zoll wrote recently in a... Um, I don't know where he wrote it, um, Mockingbird or Liberate um, or something like that. There is a subjective power to an objective truth. Now, what does that mean? Um, that there is change. Sub- w- as we are subjective to something that actually and really happened, things can be demonstrably different. And that's important because it moves this idea from you will serve what you love from bad news to, in fact, freedom to the best news of it all, that our service is perfect freedom, as Thomas Cramner captured in one of his prayers that we say so often. It's implicitly known, as I've said so far, that that you will serve what you love. The question then becomes, not what am I serving, but what is love? Um, How am I loved? Um, And then it's the old, old territory, which can never be repeated often enough. Um, And one of the best phrases out of the New Testament comes out of 1 John for this, we love because he first loved us. And we turn that around, and then we just append it to you will serve what you love, and we love as we are first loved. And now we're starting to find um, some of those shackles removed and some of that freedom um, added. As I am loved in this passive tense, what begins to happen? Well, as I am loved, it says, I begin to love. And so as I am loved, love begins to emerge. Um, uh, As I am loved gently gentleness begins to emerge as I am loved um, and accepted and am told that you once were not a people, but now you are a person. Um, uh, As I receive an identity, then love becomes demonstrated, where love becomes visible and demonstrated service to other people. Um, As I am not accused, as I am not judged, as I am not the recipient of some sort of well-intentioned constructive criticism, um, but instead I'm actually loved, then I'm displaced and I'm moved and I'm actually changed. Something really happens. My dream changes. So the correct extension will be that you serve what you love and we love as we have first been loved. So the question is, how, how do I love? Um, and if I'm bound before 
any love received to this unlovingness, then the question is, how am I unbound? And that's that vertical dimension where God crashes every barrier and he moves through and he breaks our stony hearts as a hammer breaks rock to pieces. Again, that comes out of the prophet Jeremiah. And it breaks the bind. And this is all hinged upon a single, demonstrable, empirical, uh, real-time, real-world event. An objective truth, in other words. One that has a metric. Um, And that was the cross. That was that Jesus died for our trespasses and was raised on the third day for our justification. Um, As I've said so many times and is repeated by by all the clergy here, um, if the bones show up tomorrow, I won't be here. We're, we're We're not here anymore because the subjective power that I am a different person and that you can be a different person um, it, it, it is hinged upon an objective truth that Christ died, yea, that Christ Jesus um, was raised to save sinners. Um, our experience hangs on that. So I'm going to move a shift, and I think I'm going to use the honey badger, in fact, as, a, uh, as an example of this, um, something that's coming around. But, but hit some comments. You know, it wasn't didn't quite know I was going to go exactly where I just went, but, um, you know, that's a... That's a I tried to say something. Any any comments or any thoughts? I know it's repetitious for some. Um, might be new for others. But any 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 feedback? Any questions? Well, this is kind of an it's the last Sunday in the summer that I'll be teaching, and so it's 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 kind of a wrap up to a very 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 loose summer series on my part. This whole God at work thing. I don't even think I titled this one God at work. But going back to I, th- I think this was the scripture we used the first I used the first week when I looked at that YouTube clip Mofo, which you know was was fun for me. Um, an appeal that's often made to uh, 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 sort of the rags to riches story. Sort of you can be a Henry Ford. Look, David was you know and he was the 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 um, the, the, the eighth son of um, what's his name? What's uh, yeah Jesse. Um, see. Like these people, um, uh, we would be good at Bible trivia. Uh, the eighth son of Jesse, and, and the Lord comes down first and says, "Show me your sons." And, and he says, "No, he's not here," um, because he kept saying, "Is there one more?" And he says, "Yes, it's the littlest, but he's the run of the litter. He's no good." And he says, "Nope, don't judge um, in the way that humans judge, because the Lord sees not as humans see, but He sees um, in a different way. For the Lord looks at the heart." And we take that as like, "Oh, isn't that sweet?" Um, well, again, that's actually not good news, um, because the Lord knew what He was looking at in this this last son of Jesse, um, the one who would betray Him, um, uh, the one who would would uh, uh, betray Him by by becoming an adulterer and a murderer and a liar and a deceiver, deceiving Himself, deceiving other people. The Lord knew, as He looked upon the heart of David, exactly what He was getting. Um, the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected them, him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So it's not making some sort of feel-good story that, that you know, if you follow your dream, you too can make it to the presidency or to the, to the kingship of Israel or whatever else. It's, it's, not, it's not there at all. Because it's bad news. The heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart 
and test the mind. That comes again out of Jeremiah. Um, or as Jesus said in Mark 7, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. So this stuff that comes out of the heart, that seems to be the matter. What do we do about our heart? The heart is shackled to itself, and it cannot change. We need our stupid dreams, which come from the heart so naturally, to be changed. We can't change our dream. Out of the heart comes these dreams, and they're bound to murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, etc., etc., etc. We need a heart change. We need the heart transplant. We need this movement um, away from one into something else. So where's the honey badger come into all this? For anybody who's anywhere even remotely connected to, to, to Birmingham, um, the honey badger is Tyron Matthew. He played cornerback for uh, for LSU, and, and, and he was kicked off of LSU's team, I guess, what, Monday this week? Was it that recently? God, it feels like longer. Two weeks ago, wasn't it? So two weeks ago Monday, almost two weeks tomorrow. Um, and so it's been a lot of the, the, the news and all that. Um, and I was listening to Paul Feinbaum on the way home one day, and, and this caller calls up. Paul, I just want to say, this this man, Tyron, Matthew, whatever his name is, it's not a disease, it's a choice. And he starts going on and on and on and on and on. And he starts just saying, you know, he could have chosen to do this. Because this, this, this young man, this 20-year-old, who I don't know, in case you didn't know that. Um, I thought that was funny. Uh Last year got got um, suspended for a couple of games for smoking synthetic marijuana. It was obviously assumed that this was the third strike and you're off the team for smoking marijuana again. And so that's what everybody was conjecturing and talking about whether or not this was actually sort of a, a drug-related suspension that comes in. And so this guy was defending um, or saying that he made a choice. You know, he made his own bed, let him lie in it. Um, giving up millions of dollars in an NFL deal after this year, et cetera. And so I had no compassion for him whatsoever. Where did the caller go? He obviously went, and I just want to tell you one more thing, Paul. None of that stuff goes in this body. I make a decision about what goes into this body, and it ain't. And it ain't. Alcohol, I don't think anybody should have alcohol, but I'm not going to judge anybody. <laughs> you know, that's what he said. So, but there's, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't smoke, I don't drink, and I don't, I don't eat good food, and that's, uh, that's the decision I'm going to make. And then he hung up. So, you know, thinking about that call later, um, you will serve what you love. And this man is in locked service to himself and this idea that uh, he's in control of what he puts in his body. And so, therefore, he's a, he's a shoulder above everybody else. Um, and he's locked in condemnation of every single person. And uh, what's more, the extension of that truth, you will serve what you loved and you love as you were first loved. When you're loved by that kind of judgment, that this man was giving, this, this young man, Tyron Matthew, Honey Badger. Um, what kind of love is that? If you're loved by that kind of judgment and that kind of accusation, um, what if you just mind what you eat? Quit quit drinking, quit smoking, quit doing this, quit doing that. Um, what, what sort of love is that? And what kind of change is really going to happen? Um, well, that's a good question. It's a good question to ask. What if your dreams are stupid? It's another question to say, what, how does that type of love, that sort of tough love, as it sometimes is called, how does that really change a person? That's a big question, one I'm not going to approach too much now, but I'm going to say this. Um, it doesn't change the heart. That doesn't get to it. 
And what I hope for with Tyron, and there was a lot of people that said this, of course. Um, I mean, a lot of people quickly rush to place a context around him. I'm going to get some of this wrong, but I know a lot of you know this. Um, you know, he, what, I'm, no father, is that right? Mother is in prison? Did I get that right? Um, I mean, it's a story of, of that kind of, of upbringing and abandonment and issues. Um, uh, and evidently, he's in a rehab program now in Houston. Uh, what will be the hope that, that he's loved, not with the type of love or this judgment from this caller, obviously, uh, but that some love, which communicates belonging, acceptance, um, that, yeah, you, you screwed up. You really, really screwed up. But you know what? I'm glad you're here. And he could get that. He could get that. But you know what? I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to see you. And I'm going to be here tomorrow. Whether you're here tomorrow or not, I'm going to be here for you. Um, and uh, you, you screwed up. And you were going to be a big thing. But you know what? Now we're all in this together. And we're right here. And we're going to make this happen. We're going to see where it goes. What is that? That approaches. That's not the type of love. That's not, that's not agape. That's not fully unconditioned, one-way love from the top down. But it begins to get there. It, on, on our best days, we might see some of that love reflected as in but a mirror dimly. Um, as we love a Tyron Matthew, or as we love our children... Or as we even have that type of compassion for ourselves and say, you know what, it's, it's going to be okay. Um, perfection can, can go by the wayside. And I might be able to, to say, you know, it's, it's good enough because I, I, I know who I am. I don't have any more of those illusions. Um, I know who my Lord is. I know who my family is. And, and uh, I'm thankful for this day, for this life, for this breath, for whatever else. I'm, I'm here. Um, Tyron Matthew, I'm going to wrap up on him. He had a stupid dream. Um, and he's uh, this dream that I can make it and I can sort of call my own shots. Um, it, it, uh, it, that hand got called and it didn't work out. Um, we can hope that he's going to have some sort of shift. And now I'm going to wrap. I don't know how much time I'd have. Um, could look. Uh, uh, Brian Wilson, the former lead singer for the, for the uh, I almost said the Bee Gees, for the Beach Boys. Um, you know, the Bare Naked Ladies wrote a song about called Brian Wilson um, several years ago, probably in the early 90s or something like that. Brian Wilson, sort of top of the game, um, uh, relatively speaking, in the uh, in the mid 60s, is that, uh, uh, as as I know it, I'm not a Brian Wilson scholar by any means, um, and a lot of people are. So if you know more about this, you know, chime in. Uh, I think he always felt second tier to the Beatles because they each got their start almost at the same time. And then the Beach Boys, they were they were big, but the Beatles were always just a little bit bigger, sometimes a lot bigger, you might say. Uh, and so he kept trying to, to go further and further and, and more and more uh, until he just succumbed to all sorts of, uh, uh, of demons. There was a lot of mental illness and, and depression, and, and I think he just, uh, just repeated he'd stay in bed for for weeks at a time, literally. Um, uh, and he came out of it, and he started to write a little bit about it. It's not a great song, but a little bit of a song um, that, that begins to describe a transformation, um, a transformation of a perspective from midnight, it's called Midnight's Another Day, um, uh, from midnight being sort of the dark night of the soul to a realization that midnight's another day. It's the start of, of a new, uh, start of something else. Um, Whereas midnight being the end in the deepest part of the pit, where midnight becomes um, <coughs> the beginning and the start of something new. 
Um, in common day, you know, that's that's what's seen in recovery. That's why it's such a privilege to work with addicts in so many different ways. For me, personally, um, they get this, that midnight's another day, um, that it's not the end, but it can be a beginning. So for the honey badger, that's one hope that I have for him. And this is a little bit of Brian Wilson as he describes this. And again, it's not a great sort of song, but it's got a good a good place. And then we'll have enough time for a comment or two. And we'll just listen to part of it. Um, a little bit overproduced for my personal taste, um, but the words are pretty good. Um, we heard, lost my way, the sun grew dim, stepped over grace and stood in sin, took the dive but couldn't swim, a flag without the wind. When there's no morning without you, there's only darkness the whole day through. Took the diamond from my soul and turned it back into coal. All these voices, all these memories made me feel like stone. All these people made me feel so alone. Lost in the dark, no shades of gray until I found midnight's another day. Um, I think it's descriptive of, of this word, uh, you will serve what you love as the gospel. Um, because on its own, you will serve what you love is, it's, it's, it's a twin word. It's at once binding. It's a law. It should be convicting. It should be like, oh, I'm going to serve what I love. That's not good. Because um, I know what, it, you know, if, as, I love, as, as Colbert said, if you love money, if you love yourself, if you love uh, 
uh, inappropriate with another person, you're going to be stuck forever because your dream is stupid. Um, but if we are loved, uh, if we love because we were first loved, um, even on this plane, but ultimately here, well, that shifts everything. Midnight's another day. At the darkest point, at the deepest pit, of, uh, there's actually a place of hope. Um, so, I'm going to deposit that as, as one more piece in the whole uh, in the whole pie. Um, any comments or any thoughts before we wrap up? Let me close this in a prayer. Lord, um, take this uh, this uh, this time, um, multiply it. I pray, um, strengthen what was true, uh, erase what was wrong, and by your grace, um, allow your gospel to take root and to turn this word that we will serve what we love into good news. Um, increase, I pray, uh, our love. Uh, as we are first loved by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. See you all very soon. See you, Joe.